Today on the show, we talk about the new wave in grooming and somehow segue then into a conversation about boxing. Yeah, we then bring in a very accomplished boxer in Cam Awesome. And then it's time for the news as Sarah brings us some good news when it comes to school lunches. But first, let me tell you about Next Wave. Yep, Next Wave Services is a website design company that provides high-quality website design and maintenance work for businesses at a flat rate. Next Wave was born from the idea that everybody needs access to seamless, reliable, and professional website design and maintenance service on a consistent basis. Next Wave believes that their excellent track record of repeat business is proof of their commitment to delivering first-class service all the time. Get a free website consultation when you check them out online at nextwaveservices.com. Founded in 1998, which is about as old as the internet itself, it's Next Wave Services. It's time now for the Real Men Eat Plants podcast, your daily deep dive into sports, pop culture, beer, and food, all with a plant-based spin. I'm Dee, and along with news anchor Sarah Carlson, producer Eric Rogers, and the rest, here's a man who always has a plant-based plan before leaving the house, Rich Reynolds. Well, hello, hello, and welcome on in. We have made it to episode number eight, I want to say, that this is of the Real Men Eat Plants podcast. Along with Eric Rogers and Sarah Carlson, I am Rich Reynolds. You can find us online at realmeneatplants.com and find us on social media. Eric, I'll let you do the social media thing. I always seem to step on it. But do you even have your you at Eric Rogers no, brand today? Yeah. <laughs> so Eric Rogers brand at any of your socials. So like TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, all that stuff, whatever. Um, that's where you can find me. So I'll post the episode link on the page. And Sarah, I'm guessing as well. I yeah. And Sarah's on my Facebook page. It is posted almost every day from what I recall. And then, uh, yeah, you can find me. I haven't posted it on Instagram. I'm there less because I'm old. <clears throat> wow. Okay. At new Sarah, I think is what you use as your handle. Yep. And I'm at RMEP rich and we got all of that out of the way, which we usually never get out of the way and sometimes forget to do uh, all together. And today, so if you're watching on the YouTube channel, we don't have all the videos posted on the YouTube channel yet, but that'll be like a thing that we're doing in September. So now if you are watching this right now on YouTube, you've seen that Eric and I have decided to go with jerseys, Eric with the old school bucks jersey. That's a, a Ray Allen. Ray Allen, yes. Ray Allen, Fear the Deer. Um, I have a throwback jersey um, from the Madison Capitals hockey team, which, by the way, was owned by Bob Suter. And now his son, Ryan Suter, who's in the NHL, uh, owns the team. And it looks like the old Team USA jerseys um, that they wear. And so uh, I am proudly wearing that with a hat to the back on top of my head. So like I told Eric earlier, this is my Kevin Smith look that I am doing from the movie Clerks. And um, it really is. The reason why I'll throw the hat to the back is sometimes I just don't want to do my hair before coming on the air and print myself, so I'll throw the hat to the back. Although I did do a little grooming before I got on, and it was nose hair grooming, which I'm sure I know Sarah's making hair a face. Hair disappears from some areas and grows in others. Yeah, and it, it's terrible that nose hair ends up growing in the older than you that that you get. I How's haven't the ear hair situation. I haven't gotten any real question. Yeah, I haven't gotten the ear hair yet. I remember my grandfather having tons of ear hair, um, which was always, you know, kind of, I, I thought, just disgusting. Um, but the nose hairs kind of get me all the time, and they're not that easy to get. And so you got to use, like, a little trimmer to do that and all of that. And I'm just not a huge fan of trimming at all because, like, the latest thing is always, and, and Eric is a well-groomed fella, uh, but manscaping is a tough thing to do. So they make kits, Rich. They, they do. Kits. I know, but there's there, there's a lot of stuff down there that you don't want getting cut. And so, but manscaping is kind of the trend. Now, now looking at Sarah, and I'm, I'm not going to ask about your your grooming here, Sarah, but maybe we I can don't have we can talk hair. Okay, so that's you. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully not. Um, how about John? Is John into grooming? 
his yeah manly nose parts. and ears it happens yeah john's yeah very good at it so i don't have to see it okay but i know there's i know there's some special thing it's not there will like, be signs yeah. that hair was removed yeah so yeah. so yeah, so exactly. he does he does the manscaping thing yes yes okay mm-hmm. all right and, and, and i speak so in one word answers like you know yeah he does yeah and, and if you ever see like the, the 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 difference okay here's the difference between what it used to be like and what it's like now and there's actually a commercial out right now i don't know if you've seen it it's like an animated commercial where they're singing about pubic hair that's like the, the there's a song about it and i don't even know what the what? product is for yeah it's like be proud of your pubic hair it's your pubic hair and blah 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 and i don't know if it's for like shaving pubic hair or <laughs> grooming pubic hair i i have no idea what it's about but if you've where ever wondered this is it's on TV on like normal regular TV. Like I'll be watching TV and and all of a sudden they're singing about pubic hair. I'm like, what is this commercial? And there's lots. You got little kids running around their schools singing about pubes because they. I, I don't know if it goes all that, but it's like animated. It's it's a cartoon commercial, yeah. and and it's wow. about pubic hair. And if you've ever wondered what it was like back in the day, all you got to do is look up. Like, I guess, like, classic porn or something like that. And you will see it was a hairy mess. Yeah, vintage. Oh, well, I'm I'm glad you know the name there, Eric. Um, You know, it was. I don't. I'm. This is what I heard. It was a hairy mess back in the day. And nowadays, if you were to watch it, I I don't. You know, I just, you know, I I don't know any of those sites like Pornhub.com or anything like that. Um, But it's, (laughs) it's, it's, it's all completely, like, hairless. And so. Yeah, there's there's that going on. So, anyways, um, yeah, <laughs> there. That's uh, I. I didn't do any of that manscaping that's today. I was making just making puking noises. Yeah, the record. Who knew the show would be this? Today? I, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I don't know why that went from nose hair to that, but you know, things have changed. You know, over and the there years was no and, warning. Rich. Yeah, no well, warning. It, you know, it, it's just one of those things that's changed over like the last 30 years. And I, I want to talk about some of those things that have changed over the last 30 years because our guest today is going to be awesome. Now, his name is Cam Awesome. I mean, literally, the interview is going to be awesome. And so we're going to have a lot of fun talking with him. He is a boxer and is the winningest amateur boxer like in the history of American boxing. He's, no one's ever won more than Cam Awesome has won. And that's not his is his birth name you know he changed his name you know somewhere along the lines but i was thinking about it as far as things that have changed from like 30 years ago to now 30 years ago in boxing everybody knew certain boxers like if we went back 30 years you knew who the heavyweight champion of the world was it was mike tyson you know and so people knew who that was they knew who muhammad ali was and they knew who george foreman was and they even knew some of the the lighter weight guys like sugar ray leonard or something like that these were guys that were on tv and had familiar names and i'm thinking about it now because i'm still a huge boxing fan in fact i do um ring announcing for a boxing promotion called supreme hits boxing and i've gotten to know some boxers and um i you know i absolutely love it but nobody knows who the boxers are today so i can name one okay who are you naming aside from cam awesome yeah. and that's floyd Mayweather. floyd Mayweather. and i don't know if he still does he still he fight? is retired okay but okay well then i guess floyd will fight for money so if the if the payday's big enough, he'll come out of retirement and fight, and that's always been his motto. He'll do any fight as long as the money's right. And so that's Floyd Mayweather. And Floyd, to me, is one of those guys, and I'm kind of surprised you know him, because as far as, like, casual boxing fans, he's very boring for a casual boxing fan. This isn't the kind of guy that's going to knock you out. It's the kind of guy that's going to go 12 rounds with you and win 11 of those rounds because he's going to beat you on points, and you can't hit him. And so that's, that's Floyd Mayweather. But do you know who the heavyweight champion of the world is right now? Anybody? No. A <laughs> See, nobody knows. So does anybody know who Tyson Fury is or heard the name Tyson Fury? Oh, yes. Okay. Absolutely. So Tyson Fury is the lineal. Yeah, he's the lineal champion of the world, and he's like 6'8", and like almost 300 pounds. He's a giant, but he can really box, and he's a lot of fun to watch. Most people don't know, though who Tyson Fury is, and he's the heavyweight champion of the world. I mean, there's other guys out there. How about Deontay Wilder? Have you heard that name? Heard the name. Sarah, no. Not so much. 
yeah. who sound These familiar guys, when they come out of your mouth, lost... but I don't know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so Deontay Wilder was the heavyweight champion for a while. He lost twice, or actually drew once with Tyson Fury, then lost to Tyson Fury. How about Alexander Yushik? Anybody? Anybody? Bueller? That's yeah. getting... Yeah, Anthony Joshua, Andy Ruiz Jr., Frank Sanchez, Joe Joyce. Nobody knows these guys. You could be making all these these names up. I'm not making them up. I'm reading them actually right now. But what I was saying (laughs) is that these these are the best heavyweights in the world, and nobody knows who they are. So how about like pound for pound fighters? So pound for pound fighters usually are pretty well known. Anybody know who Terrence Bud Crawford is? No. I know Crickets. exactly. How about Canelo Crickets. Alvarez? That I'm just couldn't point him out. I've heard the name. Okay. Get mad at us. I'm not mad at all. No, I'm, it's actually making no, the, no, the no. point for I me. It's something that I'm going to bring up. One of, one of these boxers is going to listen to the show <laughs> and then get mad and I'm looking for someone to punch. Hey, they can come on and promote themselves, and we'll talk about them. Give them yeah, some right. Time. Well, what are they going to do? Find you and knock you out, Sarah? They're not going to be able to catch you, anyways. And you can go for a long distance. I mean, they're they're pretty good runners, but you're going 26 miles. They're they're not going to be able to chase you down. I think you're okay. You got you, you got John, anyways, to protect you, right? So. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> he'd kill me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. John, hey, that's what him. that's what women do. They they pick him, fights. Yeah, they pick fights and then let men fight the fight, right? Isn't that how it works? I mean, I've been in a few of those. Such bullshit. <laughs> have you ever done that, Sarah? Have Have you gotten guys to fight over you or because of you? Never, no, no. Lies. It's all lies. Yeah, I, no, I don't believe I'm that. Serious. Angela from the office said that some men duel over her. She right, did. You, you'd have um, to be working about... some sort of scheme here. And and you don't play games, Sarah. No. Were you, were you a I'm game sorry, player when you were boy. dating? No. No. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh-uh. It's actually no, again, it's actually I, kind I, of refreshing. I, 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 you're you're you? the marry this person type of woman, not the oh, this is exciting. Yeah. It's just like have yeah, some Sarah's fun. the type of girl yeah, that everybody wants to marry I, I, and bring home to mom and dad. I, I wasn't the yeah. Sorry, boring. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not boring. And that's I didn't that's box. cool. That's fine, but. Yeah. <laughs> hey, did you know I have an undefeated boxing Get out record, of here. by the way? How does that work? I'm zero, oh, nice zero, job, and man. zero. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, I, I love the sport. I watch the sport. I'll watch pay-per-views. I'm involved in the sport, and I, I think it's great, but most people have no idea who any of these guys are. And so maybe for a lot of you, you're hearing Cam Awesome's name for the first time. Dude is really interesting. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about how he was on uh, a Netflix documentary and what he's doing now and all that kind of stuff. But you're going to definitely want to stick around um, for this interview because uh, I think it's absolutely great. So we're going to talk to him. We're going to do the news. We got all of that coming up straight ahead right here. Don't go anywhere. All right, I've got something that I think is pretty cool to tell you about right now, and that is our partnership with Paul's Party. That's right. The Real Men Eat Plans podcast has teamed up with Paul's Party, a charity that funds FUN, and that's F-U-N, all capitalized, for kids with physical disabilities. Now, here's how it works. Just go to our website, realmeneatplans.com, and click on the link for our Paul's Party fundraiser. All through the month of August, we are splitting funds 50-50, with this awesome charity. Your contribution of six bucks will help pay for the costs of our very fine podcast, as well as raise some serious coin for Paul's party. Now, Paul was a great kid who passed away at the age of 15, but his mom wanted to remember him by having a party on the anniversary of his death to help raise money for local charities. Well, they ended up bringing in over $15,000, and with that, a new 501c3 was born. Paul's Party does some amazing events like Paul Palooza, which is Sunday, August the 28th at the beautiful Wisconsin Brewing Company in Verona, Wisconsin. Yeah, there's going to be bands there all day long, great food, and some delicious Wisconsin Brewing Company beer. you got to like that. 
Now, I would like to present them a big, fat, oversized check with a generous donation courtesy of our podcast subscribers on that day. Again, just go to our podcast page on realmeneatplants.com or click on the link or go even to patreon.com and type realmeneatplants into the search and give today. Thank you so much for your support and a special thanks to Kathy, Paul's mom, for making all of this possible. All right, our guest today is the winningest boxer in USA boxing history. That's right. He's won four Golden Glove championships, six U.S. championships, three PAL national championships, six ringside championships, and three Olympic trials. Oh, by the way, he was also featured in the Netflix original documentary Counterpunch, which I think is awesome, and I watched it again after watching it five years ago. It's just a a great movie. He's a stand-up comedian, is a youth and corporate speaker, And I'm probably missing something else that he does, but we'll get to that on the show. Please welcome to the Real Men Eat Plants podcast, Cam F. Awesome. And Cam, thank you so much for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me, man. You know, the first thing I think, yeah, you bet. You know, I think the the first thing everybody always wants to know about is like, okay, Cam Awesome, how did he get that name? And, you know, I, I try to explain to people, it's probably like World Be Free or, or Ennis Freedom or, you know, guys that have, have changed their, their name in the past and it's usually NBA guys. How did, how did Cam Awesome come about? Uh, so I had, so <clears throat> I'll start from the beginning if I can. Yeah. Uh, so I started boxing because in, in high school I had issues with my weight and just confidence issues. And uh, stumbled into boxing, became figured out a formula on how to win, uh, became the number one boxer in the country. But the reason why I originally joined the gym was to get my weight under control. And throughout throughout my career, I still always had issues with my weight. And uh, I was I won nationals in 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012. I won the Olympic trials to represent the country in the London Olympics. And I was suspended and kicked off the Olympic team for filing to failing to send in paperwork uh, for my whereabouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, after I was suspended for a year, uh, I I was depressed. Uh, I became a very negative person, and I didn't like. Uh, after getting through that year suspension, I didn't like the person I became. So what I want to do was symbolically kill off the old me and become someone new. And, uh, and if I was going to do that, I was like, let's change our name too. Right. Uh, right. And I, I was Lenroy Cameron Thompson, Jr. Uh, my dad's name was Lenroy is Lenroy. So they call me Cameron, my middle name. And by middle school, that got shortened down to Cam. But my legal name has always been Lenroy. So on like when I fight all my stats, it's Lenroy. So I was like, you know what? Let's change my name before I turn return to boxing. So I wanted to change my first name to Cam. And then I was like, well, if I'm going to be here, I might as well change my last name too. And why not Fawesome? Because, ha, because life's not that serious. <laughs> Right. right. <laughs> We're not going to pretend like if people are going to say life's not that serious, you can't be mad at me when I show that it's not that serious. So I was going to change my yeah. last name to Fossum. But then I realized I'm a youth speaker. That's going to be inappropriate for schools. So I'm just going to change my middle name to the letter F and my last name to Awesome. Uh, so it's middle schools. I'm Cam Awesome. Uh, everywhere else. Please trust the F. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I love it. And I love that you got a sense of humor about it. Um, and I think it's a great way to deal with things. And speaking of dealing with things, so you talk about the weight issues that you had back in the day, which I'm guessing kind of led to some bullying. And uh, the way that you dealt with bullying is the way that like my dad taught it, you, you kind of taught me to do it too. It, you know, nowadays it seems like they attack the bully and the bully's got to go to the principal's office and the bully's the one that's in trouble. Back in the day, if you went to your parents and said, hey, I'm getting bullied, my dad was just like, okay, do something about it. Stand up for yourself. If you don't like it, uh, you know, punch him in the nose or something like that. I mean, not to abdicate violence, but you stand up to a bully, you really find out a lot about yourself and feel a lot better about yourself, don't you? Yeah. Well, so my plan was to learn how to fight and then beat up any bullies. 
Uh, but Hell yeah. <laughs> then I learned, once I learned how to fight, I no longer had to. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is bullies usually target the most vulnerable. And this is why I advocate for even if you have a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old, enroll them in boxing. They don't have to spar or get hit or hit anyone. Let them do the workout because when they're around the boxing gym and that energy, they go back to school and they're like, hey, don't mess with Steve. Steve's a boxer. And even though Steve doesn't know how to fight for his life, the other kids don't know that. And Steve starts to walk around with that confidence like, yeah, I am a boxer. And Steve doesn't get picked on, even though Steve can't fight for his life. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the the one thing I do know, and I've always tried to even stress to my son is don't mess with boxers. And so I think everybody kind of knows that because a boxer is going to hit you five times before you're going to get a shot in. um, And he's going to come from different angles and you're going to be on your ass before you know it. So nobody messes with boxers. Here's this even worse. Like, so when you go to na- a national championships, uh, and I've won quite a few national championships, but when you go to nationals, you go to weigh-ins and all of the boxers are there from all over the country. And they're guys who are beating their chest and they want you to know they're there and they got their shirt off. And then there's a group of dudes in the corner, uh, goofy guys. They're laughing, they're giggling. Those are the killers. Yeah. <laughs> Because the, don't, don't I know it? Yeah. Those yeah. Are the I, ones I, that, I've done ring announcing. Yeah. 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 I, I, I've done ring announcing for, for boxing. I do it for a promotion called Supreme hits and I've seen those guys. I mean, those are the guys that, that you really like, wait, wait, what are they so happy about? What are they, you know, well, why are they so relaxed? They're relaxed because they know that they can kick your ass. That's why they're so relaxed. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> called security. We, we only hear yep. about insecurities, but that's what security looks like. And so I've learned the quiet unassuming people those are the people you don't mess with and absolutely the people who are confrontational you also don't mess with those people so basically stay to yourself because boxing is tough and all that but if you run into one of these brazilian jiu-jitsu guys or one of these mma guys if I were to fight one of those guys and I got on my I got on my ass somehow, I'm on my back, everything I've ever learned is out the window. So right. when you so, see but me- this is this is if you're on your back though, Cam, because I think most boxers, so here here's what an MMA guy has to do. And I call MMA play by play on TV uh, for for the chosen few fighting championships. I love MMA too. I just I just I like combat sports. And but one thing about those guys is they gotta come inside if they gotta try to take you down. And so usually, because I've heard from every boxer will tell you they're never getting me off my feet because my footwork's too good. I'm gonna pound them in the head 15 times before they they, they could even do anything and they're never getting me off my feet. They're getting knocked out. Is, is that true? Do you, do you think you could do that to an MMA guy? Uh, one front kick and all that boxing BS is out. The window. <laughs> uh, and I say that as a boxer, I'm not like boxing. Oh, as a boxer, I will beat any MMA fighter in a boxing match. Easy. Mm-hmm. But I have to respect their craft. If I go Absolutely. into a okay, I put all my weight in my front foot. They kick it from under me. Good luck. Like, I love boxing, and yes, we're tough, but the MMA guys, they're built different. And the thing is, you don't even – they're so unassuming. It's like the nicest guys Absolutely. are killers. So I've learned yep. just be respectful to everyone. When you see me, I'm a happy guy. I'm smiling. Yeah, I don't want anyone to even think I'm tough. All right. <laughs> And then and then hit them like a, a freight train. So there there you go. So talking about your boxing career, it, it, it's kind of different because guys that usually have amateur success are having that amateur success, and then they feel okay if I'm going to get hit, I'm going to get paid for it. And they go pro, and they often go pro early in their career. So why not you? Why why didn't you follow that path? Why didn't you you, you get your you know 40, 50, 60 amateur wins and decide okay this is enough, man, and now I'm going to go make some money. I did get paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> so for, for your listeners, like, so I usually, when a boxer uh, wins a national championship, they mm-hmm. turn 
pro and they go fight in the pro ranks. Uh, but once you turn pro, you can never go to the Olympics. So I had no interest in going pro because I was more interested in the Olympics. Also, the reason why I was boxing was to lose weight. And then I figured out the formula to win. And then I was like, oh, I won nationals and I got to go on a plane. I was like, oh, I can travel for free. I'm just going to do this every year because I won one year. I'm just going to win every year. That was my attitude about it. And I got to travel the world. I've been to over 30 countries and I've never paid for a plane ticket. And I had the honor of representing the U.S. and having these connections. So to me, that was just such an amazing experience. And uh, most boxers do it to turn pro. I just started boxing so I could lose weight. And then I saw it as, a, as an opportunity to as an opportunity to gain life experience and then take that life experience. So after I won my first national championship, I saw that as an associate's degree. So Rich, if you have an associate's degree and I have a national championship and we go for the same job, I am going to get it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just because in America we value, we love athletes. So now, wait, wait a second. Now, you said that you found out the formula to win, okay? So you, you figured it out. What is that formula? Because when I'm watching you box, I'm looking at a guy, first of all, Southpaw, and Southpaws, are, to me, are always a little bit crazy. But then you're a little bit unorthodox in, in the way you fight. You're doing things that I think a lot of boxing coaches and trainers would say, hey, don't do that. You know, you keep your keep your, your right up if you're, if you're left-handed. You don't want to get hit in the head. Why are you leaning forward? What, what's going on? But you you figured it out. What is this way that you figured out to win? Fundamentals are crutches for the talentless. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to write that Kenny down. Powers. That is perfect. <laughs> That's a Kenny Powers line. That's a Kenny Powers line. Love it. Give credit where credit's due. What, what I figured out is uh, if I don't get hit, I win, right? So if you strip, if you strip everything down of the BS... In boxing, if I don't get hit, I win. So when I first started boxing, we had this old scoring system. If I punch you in a scoring blow, I get one point. If you hit me, you get one point. The first time I sparred, I realized, oh, if I don't get hit, I win. <laughs> so you say I have to be in the ring for three minutes. You don't say what I have to do. So in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm going to hit you once and then run from you, run from you the entire round. And I'm going to run from you until you're tired. And then the second round's going to come. I'm up one point to zero. Your coach is going to tell you, hey, attack me. And I know you're going to be strong for the first 30 seconds, but you're going to get tired after that. I haven't done anything yet, by the way. Now you storm me for the first 30 seconds. Now you're tired. Boom, I score second point. It's 2-0. I'm still running from you. You're desperate. You're throwing wild hooks. Three points, four points. How is he winning? Now, after the second round, going in between the second and third round, you're down 4-0. Your coach is going to say, you're desperate. You need anything to win. I give you the first 15 seconds to get your energy out. And then I just start jabbing you. And then on the scorecards, I beat you 17 to two. Mm -hmm. It's not rocket science. <laughs> now, to be able to do that, I just have to be in great shape. And it takes some balls. Because I just, my goal is, uh, I was about 200 pounds and I was fighting guys super heavyweight, about 260. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I did that is because bigger guys are going to be slower. I'm not going to hurt them. And if they do hit me, they're going to kill me. But uh, if I don't get hit, I win. Absolutely. You know, and it's kind of funny. You have a smart approach to boxing. Now, I've met a lot of boxers and talked to them during my, my career, and one thing that I've noticed is sometimes a boxer can be too smart. So I, I know a boxer, 
um, who is a, a uh, engineering student at the University of Wisconsin, graduated from there, goes on and gets his master's in engineering, and he's in the ring, and he's fighting. And one thing it always seems like, it's like, you know, something's holding you back a little bit. And he goes, well, you know, it hurts to get hit. And he doesn't want to get hit, and because he doesn't want his brain scrambled because he's smart. And I'm like, maybe this guy is too smart. Okay, so now you have actually said you don't have to be angry to fight. Boxing is a tactical sport. But can you be too smart? Do you think that in boxing sometimes being too smart can work against you in fights? No, that guy's not too smart. That guy is fearful. Hmm. I'm because in the ring, I don't I'm, I think I'm being very smart. Everything I do is a calculated risk. When I punch, I'm often going backwards. Yes, I know it's not going to be a powerful landing blow, but there's no way you could counter me if I'm landing my punch while going backwards. Hmm. So these are calculated risks. So that guy, it's not that he's smart. If he was smart, he would work on not getting hit. There you go. Yes. I didn't like it. I didn't like getting hit so much. You would wonder why I even boxed. Yeah. Because a lot of boxing is, and you got to be able to to take a lot of punches. But you just said, "Hell with that! I'm just not going to get hit at all." And so <laughs> he said, "You have to take punches." Yeah, I mean, it seems like a sport where you got to take punches. You know, Rocky Balboa talks about that. Even you know, I mean, oh, I, I okay, let's let's just go ahead and I'll throw this out here. I've never watched a Rocky movie. Never, uh, never. I don't because it perpetuates every negative stereotype about boxers. It makes boxing seem like all boxers are dumb. All of us are, are, he he has literal speech impediment. Like I I have never watched a Rocky movie, but I've seen clips and I've seen one clip where he gets dropped with a punch. He gets up and he keeps fighting. The ref doesn't stop and do an eight count. Doesn't wipe the gloves. None of that. None of this pageantry. And then you put this man who's never taken an actual punch for boxing in the hall of fame, even though there are boxers who've never even been considered for the hall of fame, who've died in the ring. I think it's a mockery to the sport, but it did get a lot of people involved in the sport. And I love Michael B. Jordan and I watched the Creed movies. The Creed movies and are I good. I loved them yeah. and I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, well, and, and also, if, if they like updated the Rocky movies, because I can't watch something that's not in HD anymore. Okay. One thing about boxing, though, is, and, and it shows in, in, in the Rocky movies, it, it takes Rocky off the street. Like, it takes guys off the street, and, and you meet a lot of fighters who basically didn't come from the, the fairy tale background that they came off the street. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you saw that quite a bit. There, there is some good that, that boxing does, doesn't it, though? I mean, it could really help what? people. Boxing is the, has been the greatest thing has ever happened in my life. Boxing helped so many people. When I got involved in boxing, I went to an after-school program that the, the, the slogan was keeping kids in playgrounds, not prisons. That was the t-shirt we wore. Like that was the concept. And we were told we were supposed to use sports to get us out the hood. That is what I did. But I did mine in an unconventional way. Most people would have turned pro. But what I did is I found the formula of boxing. I kept winning. And that associate's degree that I got in 2008, that one national championship, well, then I got two, three, four, seven, nine, 10, 11. I collected these. I have a doctorate in boxing and life experience. I've traveled to over 30 countries. I've connected with people of different cultures. And now I've leveraged that to build a career for myself for after sports. And I couldn't have done that without boxing. Boxing was to take me out of the hood, right? It did that. And I want other athletes to know that you don't have to go the conventional route of doing a sport and going pro. There's so many other ways of making a career after that sport. You just got to be a little bit creative. Excellent point. And then, you know, I watch you on the the Netflix special Counterpunch on that uh, on that documentary. Talk about that a, a little bit, if you could. Was that a good experience for you? I mean, out of that, um, was that something that has helped you with your current career and what you're working on? Bro, it has been so helpful. Nice. <laughs> uh, just because it lends credibility. Because, you know, no one knows it. Like, I've won everything. But no one knows. Also, no one cares. But if I tell them, hey, my my Olympic journey was documented on an original documentary on Netflix, Counterpunch, 
check it out. They're like, oh, you must be a real athlete if you're on Netflix. <laughs> uh, so it, it's so crazy. I've, I've, I've won so many things, but the things that people know me for usually have nothing to do with winning. Right. Uh, but one of those things, yeah. Like well, one, one of those things you're known for, and one of the reasons why we're finding you is because you're vegan. I mean, being plant based, being an athlete, stuff like that, sometimes flies in the normal direction that people go. And for me, it was a movie called The Game Changers when I watched that that said, oh, Maybe this is a path that I could take because my health was bad. My weight was bad. I was on a bunch of medications, but I never seen like guy guys actually be vegan. You always think of like vegans as scrawny guys or runners or something like that. But then there's people out there like you doing the vegan thing and look at you. I mean, whoa, look out. I mean, you know, this guy, uh, you know, can knock you in the next week. Talk about, I mean, the, the path of going vegan. Why vegan for you? Uh, in 2012, when I got kicked off the Olympic team, uh, I had gained a lot of weight. I got up to 277 wow. pounds, uh, and was depressed and I lost the bet, uh, Manny Pacquiao versus Timothy Bradley and, uh, Pacquiao who I bet on did not win, even though people thought he did. Uh, and I had to be, I had to take the, uh, engine two 28 day. Okay. Rip Esselstyn stuff. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know when I agreed to the bet, the diet entails sobriety. Uh, so I am in my word. I did it for the 28 days. I lost 32 wow. pounds. It changed the way I looked at life. I became more of a positive person in those 30, those 28 days. But I said I would never become a vegan, but I'm just going to do this for a little bit longer. Uh, <laughs> it's been 10 years. It's been 10 years. And the reason my, my apprehension behind it at first was, I've heard all these things about negative things about vegans and I didn't want to be associated with that. And this is 2012 before it's cool to be vegan as it is now. Uh, but back in 2012, I was like, I don't want to be associated with that, but it didn't dawn on me that it's the worst members mm -hmm. of every group that are the loudest. Think of, think of every group. And it's, and it's every time I would meet a vegan that was cool, I'd be like, oh man, I met Rich, that dude was vegan. That dude was cool for a vegan. And, and then I would meet somebody else cool. I was like, oh, they're cool. And I was like, you know, I'm meeting a lot of cool vegans. I realized I haven't really run into any annoying vegans. I just heard all they these do. jokes <laughs> about annoying vegans. Uh, but since I have run into annoying vegans, they do exist, but annoying people exist in every group so why like being kind to animals doesn't mean you can't still be annoying uh but i i love that the vegan movement is more accepted now because it wasn't that accepted in 2012. Uh, i got a lot of pushback on it with training with the olympic team being on the national team uh them not very them not being open to a plant-based diet uh, but now they are. So. Yeah, I think it, it actually works for a lot of athletes that do it, and um, especially their endurance. And if you're a boxer, man, oh, man, endurance can really help you out in the ring. So um, being vegan, doing that that plant-based thing can really friggin' help you out, can it? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, uh, I went from eating very unhealthy uh, I was eating three McDoubles, uh, no mustard, no pickles, extra onions, extra ketchup, and three McChickens with cheese. Uh, that was one sitting. I would eat once a day, and it was that. Uh, 2012 wasn't a good time of my life. Let's just say that. But uh, I went from going that to the this Engine 2 diet of strictly plant-based, no added oil, no added fat, no added sugar, no added salt. <laughs> And yeah, I was very gassy for like two, three weeks. Luckily I was living by myself. Uh, but but I, I love how, how readily available. One of the best things about becoming vegan to me and the reason why I continue to be vegan uh, is at first, I, don't, I didn't care about animals. I didn't care about the environment. I did it for vanity. I didn't even care about my health. 
it was strictly I wanted I wanted my six pack and I kept it going and then as I became the longer I became vegan the more I found other reasons why I should be vegan and after the 28 days I would say the reason why I'm vegan is I couldn't figure out a reason why not to be yeah that's exactly right. Yeah. And, and the only regret I have is that I didn't do it sooner. I mean, um, because it really, I mean, it makes that much of a difference. At least it has for me. And it seems like it has for you too. So let's talk about current Cam F awesome stuff that you are working on. So you're, you're a speaker. Um, talk about that a little bit and, and some of the stuff that you do, the speaking engagements that you have. And, and what are you talking about? What are you talking to people about um, that gets you, I mean, not only motivated, but, but keeps you coming back as a speaker at events? Uh, well, I, I, uh, I wanted to be, I know I wanted to transition into speaking and be a professional speaker. And I looked at speaking the same way I looked at boxing. I figured if you want to go to the pros, you have to have a substantial amateur career first. A, a lot of people just like, oh, I'm a great fighter. I'm a great fighter. I can fight pro right now. I'm like, no, 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 no. Develop a few years in the amateurs before you turn pro. And I developed, I considered youth speaking the amateurs. So what I did to become a better speaker is I would go into schools and speak about bullying what originally got me involved in boxing and try and uh and inspire kids to join the local boxing nonprofit gyms that are free in their neighborhoods that they don't even know about one of the gyms that i went to that changed my life uh and i was doing that in schools all around the country when i would go to different states to spar or fight i would reach out to schools and speak and then i just i didn't realize you can make a career out of it and I decided to pursue that. I started taking it more seriously. I do stand-up comedy. Then I started doing stand-up comedy for students at schools and speaking to them. So all of my jokes are storytelling jokes. They all have morals or messages attached to it. Because if you can get a kid laughing, you got them listening. If you can get them listening, you got them learning. So uh, I, I, I got into speaking that way. I would speak about bullying, appropriate social media use, career goal settings and resilience, as well as cultural competence. Because traveling to 30 countries, I learned to interact with people of different backgrounds. So I speak on cultural communication and intent versus impact, uh, which is not just important for corporations because I do this for corporations, but the reason why I have to speak about these topics to adults mm. is because no one ever took the time to address this topic when they were students. So. Uh, there's a lot of diversity classes, diversity groups in school and diversity clubs, but it's not really shown to the entire school. So uh, in these talks, I just speak about respectfully communicating and I speak about the do's and don'ts and uh, things I've done in other countries where I put my foot in my mouth or countries where I've, I've, I went to Azerbaijan and I left someone a tip and they found it so disrespectful and my intentions were, I wanted to say thank you, but the impact I made on that person was detrimental. Now, what I speak about intent versus impact, I talk to these students about how we can have these same cultural clashing in America because we have so many different cultures who interact. Martin Luther King, his dream was for us to all live amongst each other. Well, now that we're living amongst each other, we're starting to have some times where cultures clash and I help uh, break those barriers down for communication. Love it and love that message. That is excellent stuff. So I know we can find you at camfawesome.com. Where else can we find you on social media then, Cam? Uh, you can find me on at camfawesome everywhere because I'm not famous and no one wants to take my name. <laughs> really? <laughs> Hey, I think I, I think you are awesome. I, I think this has been an awesome interview. I really appreciate you being here. I, a terrific job. I love what you're doing and love that you're speaking to the kids too and stuff like that because, I mean, getting that message out there and the message that you're giving them, I think is something very useful for their life and, and stuff that hopefully they can take with them and remember. So, uh, Cam, again, I appreciate it so much. Continued success to you and thanks for being here, man. 
All right, time to tell you about VegReg. Yeah, VegReg.com helps you find plant-based restaurants and businesses in just one click. And if you are a vegan-friendly business, they can help you get found. If you're searching for healthy, cruelty-free meal options in your local area, VegReg is the perfect solution. Another great thing about VegReg, they have recipes. And when I say recipes, I mean real recipes. A Bacon Lover's BLT. Cookie Dough Protein Bites, Penne Arrabbiata, now that's the entree and not the character from The Sopranos, and even a vanilla bean, that's vanilla bean, he said, cheesecake, and they are all plant-based. You can also find Spotlight Vegan Businesses and more when you click on over to VegReg.com. I would say tell them that Rich sent you, but you know, it's a website and no one would hear you. That's VegReg.com. Welcome to Shilor Select. The whole system will be ready in a few minutes. Take your seat and enjoy. Everyone has a story that's built on thousands of hows, whys, and whats. Join myself, Chris Sheeler, as I dive into how people live their lives, why they do what they do, and what goes through their mind while they do it. If you love learning and what makes people tick, my podcast, Sheeler Select, has you covered. New episodes every Monday. Find it on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or just anywhere you get a podcast. She's a mom with vegetables. She's so delectable. The cows and pigs, she set them free. Can't you see? She's a hot chickpea. Veggie stew, just for you. Sit on down, there's these or two. quickly becoming my favorite time of the day. It's the day that we welcome in our lovely and talented newscaster, Sarah Carlson, to give us all the news that ain't fit to print. So, Sarah, take it away. This is true. Well, we have good news. I like good news. This is we've talked a lot about uh, kids in school and what they eat and what's provided. So some good news for kids headed back to school when it comes to access to vegan meals, dairy free milk. Now, this is according to Veg News. A few initiatives are in the works and there's a, or an array of them, although the av- availability of vegan food and dairy free is really, really bad and it varies across the country there are places where it's available and there are places where there's no no chance now a lot of people pushing environmentally friendly options as well one obstacle i have to push this in here as a newscaster i found this fascinating um under the national school lunch and school breakfast programs say that fast the nslp schools are required i didn't know this to serve dairy milk Yes. In order to be reimbursed by the NSLP for the meals. It is freaking nuts. So 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 just to jump on, on this quickly. So so my wife teaches in, in 4K, okay? And so she's got another teacher that they, they, they kind of split the class with and, and all of this. And so when break time comes and lunchtime comes, they are required to give the kids milk, whether the kids want it or not. And some of the kids just like refuse. They don't try to push it. But the other teacher that she was working with for a while was trying to convince the kids, hey, you got to drink your milk. It's good for you. It's good for your bones. It's good for this, good for that. And my wife told her afterwards, said, hey, maybe you should read some stuff on dairy and read what it actually does and, and look into it. The next day that teacher came apologized to my wife and said, now that I know, I won't be saying that anymore. However, they are still 100% required by the government to hand out dairy, which, by the way, yeah, was not a thing until World War II. There's a lot of history about it. We just, as a country, didn't do, yeah. The dairy industry. Oh, my goodness. And it was, yeah. 
Well, the there's dairy some, lobbies. Yeah, I didn't want to get into the politics of it, but it sounds like there's some support there. The dairy lobby and yeah. meat lobbies are friggin' disgusting. I mean, there's so much money that they pour into into campaigns and politicians' pockets, and um, in return, this is what they get. So, actually, meat prices, if they weren't subsidized, so if if there wasn't a subsidy to keep meat prices artificially low you have no idea what you'd be paying for meat i mean it's three to four times more than what you'd be paying now and meat would be priced right out of of sight i mean it's already Which i'm assuming the plant-based options don't have those subsidies, there's no subsidy so the price of of plant-based food would look a lot better by comparison correct so so say you're talking about like impossible burgers which right now could be more expensive than getting regular burgers however if burgers that were ground beef were four times as much as what you're paying now i mean it could be three times as much as getting that impossible burger and now you're saying to yourself well hell i'll just get the impossible burger then and be fine with it and then that would really yeah that that would would change a lot you bet it would and so government subsidies do this Exactly. You're right about the timing. This was established in 1946, uh-huh. and um, this NSLP serves more than 30 million kids, more than 100,000 schools. Okay. Yep. So now the good news is there are a lot of people who are lactose intolerant, a lot of different communities, a lot of different people. This week, a group of 28 major organizations sent a demand letter to the USDA in regard to the policy, saying this is a constituent constitutes one more time sarah the policy constitutes dietary racism quote if black lives matter so does our health and nutrition as black children are so much more likely to be lactose intolerant so especially in these uh low-income schools where there may be more um black students a lot of those organizations got together and said hey wait a second not only is this unfair but it's racist so let me tell you this fascinating and demanding right now that the USDA updates that 1946 policy. Yep. So so the World War II thing, I, I know that I'm right about that. I'm also right about this. Mm-hmm. Every one of us is lactose intolerant. Every one of us. It's 100%. So there is an enzyme in your body and there's bacteria in your body that when you're a baby, you have because you got to process your mother's milk. When you are weaned off of that mother's milk, that enzyme and those bacteria go away. So now whenever you do have any kind of dairy uh, products or any kind of milk, it's not there. And so your body is going to handle it in a multitude of different ways. Now, some people develop some bacteria where they can tolerate it a little bit more, but almost everybody will feel a little bit of a knot in their stomach or a little bit of bloating or they'll get gassy and they're farting all over the place. All right. That is from dairy, and it's supposed to be be like that for a reason. Your body's telling you, hey, buddy, this isn't right. This is not what you're supposed to be. And, and this is, again, now, I'm, I'm a convert. I mean, up until two and a half years ago, I was drinking a glass of milk before going to bed. You know, I mean, I had milk, you know, and, and dairy products with almost every single meal that I had, from breakfast cereal to cheese on, you know, sandwiches and stuff throughout the day or, uh, you know, cheesy sauces on things. I, I was always eating dairy. But I'm telling you, it is well, no, it's I, I awful for you. Throw this out there, too, because you're you're. Okay, so if everyone's lactose intolerant <clears throat> to some degree, it makes sense because I was thinking, is there a salad intolerance? Do we have any of that? You know, and not, I mean, aside from like allergies, like there's allergies exist, of course, but is anyone like, I just can't eat lettuce. It doesn't, yeah, you know. Yeah, I can't eat pears <laughs> or I can't me. eat bananas or, right. I mean, no, I mean, that that doesn't really exist. Now, your body. You just have, like, taste preferences. Yeah, it's, well, and, and I tell right. you what, when you give up meat and dairy, like, like I did, I thought I would never be able to live without it. Those cravings that you think you have for that stuff goes away immediately the only thing that's pushing you towards it are social cues so people that you know peer pressure all of the commercials that you see stuff like that is pushing you to eat this eat this oh look at this pizza and they show the stretchy cheese Rich, and does, all that. does it feel in a way like a recovering alcoholic might feel <laughs> you know you're in somebody's social situation i'm no, not i'm not trying to make a joke like there's it's, triggers it's kind of funny but it's not because you know how many times in a social situation uh, you know, you can't just be sober on people because there's always alcohol at you know friendly gatherings. Yeah, or whatever. everyone tries to force you, but I tell you what, when you red pill it and you're not eating that stuff anymore, and then you're around it, it's kind of like, Egh, 
I am not putting that in my body. Like I would rather not eat right now than eat what's out there. And I've been a vegetarian for so long, and I've I love uh, chips. And you can put a lot of things on yep. chips that are vegetarian or vegan. Absolutely. But if there's a pile of nachos with beef on it. Uh, no, no one can socially be like, "Come on, Sarah." No matter how many beers they have had, <laughs> um, I have to give you the good news. Though, okay, I love good news. There was good news. There. Okay, so there are efforts being made to try to stop this baloney to get vegan food on school menus, not just at home. So in Illinois, Governor J.B. Pritzker just signed legislation this spring that will give 2 million kids in the state schools access to more plant-based meals. Now, this law goes into effect a year from now, and it requires all Illinois schools provide a plant-based meal. That's huge. That's a big win. Um, California so yeah, has spent mm-hmm. a lot of money on this. We had that, I think, in the news last week. I mean, some $800 billion yep. or some and crap. And in New York City, they're doing it once a Eric week. Eric Adams, so the NYC. mayor. Yeah, he's a vegan. Yep. He became, I think something happened, diabetic. And so they're doing it once a week on Fridays. I think that's a little odd, but a little bit. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, usually it's a meatless Monday that people are going with, but you know, it's amazing how many people will lose their minds when you do something like that. And they're like, oh my God, my kids are going to starve. It's like your kids are going to be okay. (laughs) Well, think about how much cost is on parents these days. Cause you know how much there's a bus shortage or bus driver shortage and United States right now, and so people are driving their own kids, trying to figure that schedule out, and now you're talking about, well, my kid doesn't like milk, so I got to give something mm-hmm. else when they bring to school, so. Oh, it's fun. It's fun being yeah. a parent, got to tell you. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> well, and speaking of being a parent, on to the next story, because it reminds me of being a kid. Remember when you were a kid? Or maybe you no, both don't. do this these days. You can go outside in the rain and like kind of let let it hit your face. To be honest, as a runner, I have enjoyed that at times. Oh, but yeah, as a kid, a we used to like to, to go drink. Run. Yeah, but as a kid, we used to like to drink the rainwater. That was fun too. I see my dog do it. I don't like that because I'm afraid of what's in it. And I'm right. This is from thebeat.com. B e t e t. So it turns out it's no longer safe anywhere. This is according to new research from the University of Stockholm. The water that falls from the sky contains harmful chemicals and toxins that are undrinkable. And they, the researchers measured the water that falls from the sky. And keep in mind, this is also once filled tanks and reservoirs. So the water that falls from the sky is not just from the sky. Um, and they found this is the case everywhere on earth it is undrinkable even in antarctica really which is the least the least uh populated and polluted area in the world so these are forever chemicals um that they were once released into the atmosphere they never go away they just took the place of water from rivers and streams and oceans i was trying to understand this more and the story got me more and more depressed so, yeah, I was going to say, I like I the, thought, well, I like the good I news that you had more than this one. This is really freaking depressing because we're, we're going to talk about stuff like this tomorrow with, with our guest, Glenn Mazur, and he does it you know, in such a way that okay. it's actually kind of funny, and he'll, he'll give you some good news and stuff that's going along with it. But Because um, there, there is a way, I believe, now you're talking about forever chemicals, and I've heard a lot of people you know, say that we can kind of reverse a lot of this, and I kind of believe that as right. well. So um, you know, what, one of the big things that's really hurt um, our planet right now is a process called um, desertification all right and in desertification basically what what's happening is there there's a theory that okay there, there's two reasons why the Sahara desert was created one was that the the earth's axis tilted a little bit and it does this it wobbles it's called every once in a while and it created a new pattern that helped lead this to be a desert but at one time it was a fertile plain that actually had dinosaurs on it and things grew on it. Um, in fact, Egyptian agriculture, and even before that, they're thinking agriculture is what led to the desert becoming as big as the desert is. And so as you continue to till the soil and uh, create pasture land and do stuff like that, you're creating deserts. And so think about it, too, even in this way. We're in Wisconsin, and in Wisconsin in April or May, Take a look when you go for a drive, and what do you see? All you see are plowed fields. You see tilled fields everywhere. They're deserts. That's exactly what's happening. There is no 
carbon that's being sequestered then into that topsoil, and it's because there's no trees and vegetation that's currently on that. And the Earth's temperature goes up, especially the most during those times, those planting seasons, those times when, when tilling takes place. And so it, it's really kind of scary, and that's where you're talking about, you know, if carbon sequestration happens into the soil when there's more vegetation, I'm betting, betting you a lot of those chemicals that are in the air that you're talking about that end up in our rainwater can probably be sequestered as well into the soil if we weren't yeah. tilling it constantly or cutting down trees. And uh, I'm sure Glenn will talk about it too. You know, it wasn't that long ago, and we're talking 100 years ago, there were 6 trillion trees on the planet. We're down to 3 trillion, and we've cut it in half during that time. And if you don't think that's going to have a real effect on what's going on with, with our climate or the, the fact that we're... Repeat that. Repeat that stat. Excuse me, Rich. Yeah, so How many over years the, was the, that? Over the span of the last hundred years, we've lost half of the trees years. Um, that are on the planet. And probably what's worse is, and where, where the sequestration or uh, carbon sequestration is really hurt, is in the oceans. I mean, we're tilling the bottom of the oceans up for fishing um, and, and all of that, and we are destroying the oceans. And that's really where we get about 66% of all the oxygen that is out there, and, and we're destroying it, destroying it through phytoplankton and algae blooms that don't happen anymore and lots of things because of the fact of what's happening with commercial fishing. Um, it's really disgusting, and Glenn's going to talk about it. And, boy, we've really gotten into some dark news here, Sarah. <laughs> Well, I, this is true. This is true. But I know there are a lot of people out there doing what they can, saying, okay, now mm -hmm. what can I do? You know, they don't want to just right. look at the downside. But Clean Water Action, there's a uh, website, cleanwateraction.org. Um, it's going to tell you that we all have these things in our blood and that not everything's perfect. But things to watch out for, um, I looked at the list and it's mm -hmm. long. But perhaps alternatives is, is just what I'm saying. So we, we've got, like we're talking about these schools doing what they can to put vegan meals and options and lactose-free um, food, we, we can do something. We just have to say actually, actually do yeah. it instead of talk about it all the time. We can talk about it, we all, the three of us. Absolutely. Okay, something. Sarah, we got time for one more story if you got one. Well, I know you yes. miss Lizzo, so she's back in the news. Yeah, bring her up. She's back. She seems to be mentioned <laughs> on our program on a daily guy. basis. Well, you know what? She's making a big deal about the fact that she's vegan. So she had vegan chicken nuggets and what they call the Hot Ones Spicy Wing Challenge. This is a popular YouTube series, Hot Ones. And instead of the usual chicken that people are eating, she opted for Daring Foods, mm -hmm. that's the brand, vegan chicken to make it through the spicy challenge. Now, Hot Ones is a longstanding uh, show. Various celebrities have been on. They make their way through 10 rounds of spicy wings. She had vegan. So that's kind of cool. The, apparently, though, the sauce gets spicier and spicier. So she wasn't there to talk about being vegan, but she showed that it can be done. She made it to the final round. Wow. How about it? A little bit of a struggle. And she guess what? Because they, you're allowed to drink something during it, too, so that you don't fall over and collapse and sweat too much. She had oat milk. Oh, cool. Cool relief. Okay. So there's, yeah, there's our list. Because I, I know, like... <laughs> she wearing her thong sitting on the chair. Hey, I'll wh wear whatever right. she um, wants. You know, I... I, I haven't seen one of those like challenge shows in a while. Do you remember it was Man versus Food? Do you remember that show? Um, I think it was like Adam Richman oh, was yeah. on. The, the, there would be, is that his name? It's, I thought it was Adam something. Um, he would um, like they, they would just have some challenge. It wasn't always a hot challenge. Sometimes like like the challenge was you'd have to eat this giant ass burger or something, and it would be like three pounds worth of meat or you know. I mean, it was something ridiculous, and there would be a time limit on it. And he would do all these challenges. The hot ones were the ones that were always the hardest. Not like he didn't like hot food, but some of that crap's really spicy. I mean, super hot. They oh, they yeah. measure it in scovilles or yeah. something like that. I think for peppers. And so, have, have you ever seen this hot one show, Eric? Uh, I have not seen like a whole episode, but you know, you'll see the clips of it. And quite honestly, I think they make those peppers literally yeah. inedible for human consumption. And they just say, it's literally the spiciest thing, spiciest thing we've ever discovered. 
or we've ever created. And they'll start with like a ghost pepper or something. And they go to what Carolina Reaper. And I think there's always a, a new spice. I got duped into a challenge with. like that once. And by the way, I love yeah. spicy. I'll, I'll take spicy any day, but when it, when it goes over the top like that and you have to have something it, it, to, uh, I got totally so duped fun. in. I don't know if you remember in Madison on the East side, they used to have a, a restaurant. I think it was called Carlos O'Murphy's and it was a, a Mexican restaurant. And this was like in, oh. in the 90s, and I was eating there mm-hmm. with, with a friend of mine, and we, you know, we had our girlfriends with us or whatever and all of that, and having a good time. And on, on the plate, like you would get like, like a burrito, and they would put, I think mostly for decoration, like a couple of habanero peppers. And so he kind of challenged me. He goes, all right, on the count of three, we'll all you know, just bite into that habanero pepper and eat it. Of course, one, two, three, what does idiot Rich do? Takes a big old bite of the habanero. What does my buddy do? Just start laughing. Uh, he didn't take a bite at all. I ended Aww. up outside on the ground crying because it hurt so friggin' badly, um, and I could not get this pain to stop. I mean, it took literally two hours before the, the, the pain went away. It was maybe the two worst hours of my life. It was that bad where I, I, I thought I was going to die. I thought I would have wow. to go to the hospital, something like that. It was absolutely ridiculous. So what? I How was old an were idiot you at this of like time? 23, 24 years old. Yeah. Yeah, I guess yeah, I, I lived. I it. made it. It was rough. <laughs> I mean, I had snot coming through all the way down to the ground, you know, tears falling out of my face. It was it was ridiculous. I'm sure that yeah. date went well. Uh, too. I, I yeah. didn't end up marrying that girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after, yeah. Afterwards, he said, I'm, I'm dying. But you would, that be, would that be a deal breaker <laughs> for you there, Sarah, if you're with a guy that did something stupid like that and then couldn't talk for two hours while he was crying and snot was all over the place? Would that be the deal breaker for you? Yeah, that would do it. Yeah, yes. <laughs> It's a good look. Not a good look. Yeah. Sorry, dude. What what a freaking idiot. Okay. Well, guys, that is going to do it for us today. Our thanks to our guest, Cam. Awesome. You guys were awesome. Eric Rogers, Sarah Carlson, I thank you so much. Again, check us out online, realmeneatplants.com, and subscribe and like our podcast today so you know exactly when it comes out. You can get it each and every day. And also, be sure to click that donate button as well for Paul's party um, as we are splitting uh, proceeds with them all month long. Again, you can find that at realmeneatplants.com or on Patreon. So great job today, guys. We will do it all again tomorrow. See you.